Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. The value in being able to like create as an individual that enhances the brand message, the company profile or brand message, whether that be written or video content, it's incredible. And the, uh, the amount of people that you're able to reach that really resonate with and identify with the content you're creating, you're just able to have such a larger impact when you're creating as a creator and visualizing yourself as the consumer that's receiving the content that you're creating. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Ryan. He could talk about his new role he has now, but we'll go deeper into the conversation today. But I want to, him to introduce himself, how he got into growth, how he got into his new venture, and then we can talk about the topic in hand. So what's up, Brian? What's going on? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off, how did you get into marketing, growth, that area of expertise? It all started about 10 years ago. It's actually a pretty funny story. When I was well, let's see, it's been 12 now. When I was 13, I wanted a longboard and uh, I saw people making YouTube videos. And so I had this idea. I was like, I wonder if I could create YouTube videos for brands and they would send me materials and products for free. So I hopped on, created a Gmail and I cold emailed 300 longboard companies and said, I'll make you a YouTube video if you send me a longboard. A couple of weeks later, I had a longboard show up at my house and I've been kind of creating content ever since. So my professional career in marketing really started about four or five years ago. When COVID hit, I dropped out of college and just transitioned into working in startups. I'd been working in social media, worked with a variety of different large brands, small brands, really just helping primarily startups and businesses understand how to do customer acquisition using organic channels. So I've moved through a variety of different roles with different startups in marketing, social media, biz dev, operations, uh, and most recently, just transitioned to a new organization based in Indianapolis called Cold Plunge Studios. Um, and I'm stepping in as their president and we'll be running day-to-day operations and helping scale the business. So really exciting and, and life's really fun right now. That's awesome. Also, my I've told uh, my wife this, like my dream is when we get a house that we have like a cold plunge in our, our house because I, because I used to play college football and we used to do that after recovering every practice, but it's hard to do it putting ice cubes in a bath every single day. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit later, but it's actually, ice baths are, funny enough, a a very large part of my story. So we'll we'll have our own like cooling and automatic ice tub line. So I'll make sure we get you one. I want to chat about TikTok with you. I think you have a unique way of doing TikTok because I think a lot of, People I've talked about, talked to TikTok, teach you how to grow on TikTok and how to scale on TikTok. But I want to talk about specifically how you use TikTok to drive offline things like events, partnerships, and other things. So if you could start with like, how do you think about that? I like to give a little bit of context as to why I love video over written content, right? Like I there's a, a really interesting trend going around. You'll see a lot of people on Twitter or LinkedIn, and you just see a lot of this consumption of insight porn is what it is. It's basically addictive content that people can't get enough about. And they're, you know, they hit the bookmark or they hit the save, and then they're never going to apply it, 
right? And they forget that they put it inside of the bookmark, bookmarks. And so there's a lot of written content out there that I noticed that I personally was consuming, but not actually putting into action. And I've, I was diagnosed with ADHD about a year and a half ago. And I just noticed that it was so much easier for me to connect with creators. And then for me to also remember content when it was created either visually or verbally rather than uh, in written form. And so TikTok for me has been really special. I, I started on TikTok about two years, uh, two years ago. I really started taking it serious about a year, a year and a half ago. And that was when I got diagnosed with ADHD, depression, and anxiety. And I started to realize, like my whole life started to make sense. And I realized that there were a lot of other adults and people my age, 24, 25, that really were trying to learn how to live with ADHD or ADD. And so I started documenting my journey of productivity, things that helped me living with these mental health struggles and started building a really cool community around that. So it, it's been interesting. Um, one of those remedies that helped me quite a bit with ADHD was ice baths. And a lot of people see it as like a trend. A lot of people see it as a fad. I try to do an ice bath or some sort of cold water therapy every single day. And sure enough, I, I went to the, the farm supply store, bought a horse trough for $129. And since then, I've uh, have done about, I think it's 60 to 70 million views on ice bath content, have built a really cool community around mental health specifically. Um, but just talking about living as high-functioning adults, living with ADHD and mental health struggles. So TikTok has played a really vital role there because it's allowed for me to create content that connects with individuals on an emotional level and then prompts action. So for ice baths specifically, right? Like I'd, I've done some awesome views and some awesome partnerships with companies. It's a winning formula right now, uh, combining a bunch of different trends that are working. But one of the coolest parts is that that opportunity, when I bought an, a horse trough, you know, a year and a half ago, I never would have thought that that would have led to an opportunity now, which is me stepping in as the president of a cold plunge studio business with a location, it's a sauna, ice bath experience with a studio in Indianapolis, opening a few more locations and then beginning on franchising. And so all of that has come to pass because of the power of TikTok and short form video. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that played into there, but primarily short form content is the most powerful way for people to be able to connect with their audiences and brands because you can position your messaging and your content in a way that really wouldn't resonate with the audience uh, had you done it in a different format. I have the same thing as you. I, I would like, I've never heard pe people put it like that, but I know I've had ADHD for a long time. I also know that written content is struggle for me. Like reading a book is one of the hardest things in the world, but I do have like a great, if someone says something to me or someone, if I hear something, I consume it very well. So I have the same thing as you, but I wanted to go, I just wanted to make the point that that's like not, that's like a normal thing that everybody goes through. And I bet you mo a lot of the listeners here have gone through that experience as well. I want to go into the connecting part of it. I think one of the things about short form video that I like is not only that you can tell stories, but you can like build a relationship with a human being, which is like, it's hard to do in written form. So how, what are some things that you do to, create that connection with the audience through video? Well, for starters, there's the latest report that I read. There's a billion monthly active users on TikTok and only one in 10 users ever post a video. So 90% of users on the platform are consumers. And so think about the competition level for the one in 10 that are actually creating. 
there's so much less competition to be a creator on the platform. And then you think about the people that are like actively creating content, it's way less than 10% of users on the platform. So if you think about it in kind of like a step-by-step process, TikTok has its pros and its cons. The algorithm is phenomenal for serving content to new users. It's not very good for serving it to the same users over and over again. And so obviously you want to have this flow of like how you move people off platform to a degree without the expectation that they will. And we can dive into that a little bit later. But how I always think about things is the first thing you have to do is treat every single video or every single piece of content like it's someone's first interaction with you or with your brand. And allowing that to be the case, that lets people to jump into your story that you're telling continually and allowing people to jump in at any point in time and be able to connect with the brand and the story that you're telling along the journey. So after you create that initial connection, that initial emotional response, then start cultivating this community. So for me, in my situation, what I did was I started talking about mental health, getting people interested. Then I started adding a viral aspect to it. And now I've started building a community that allows me to connect with people in person. Anytime I go to the gym and I'm in the sauna, like I, you know, somehow we end up talking about ice baths and holistic remedies and people are like, oh, you're like, you're the guy from TikTok. Like I've seen your ice bath videos. And so that allows for that offline connection when people have seen the signals that are being put out there. But it all starts with treating that very first interaction, even if it's the fifth or sixth interaction, treating it like it's someone's first interaction with your brand to create those initial responses to then build longer term relationships with those individuals. I actually love that because I think a lot of people get caught up that, hey, I just need to keep creating new and new and new and new new content all the time. And I always say, like, as you grow your audience, there's more and more people that need to be reintroduced to you are. So like sometimes repurposing content or retelling stories is not for the people who have been there the whole time. It's for those new and new users that are coming, are you building up? And I think a lot of people forget that. They think that I just have to keep creating. And that's where like a lot of content creators get in the struggle of, hey, I can't think of ideas because it's new and new. But like you said, I think if you treat every video like, hey, I need to reintroduce myself, I need to introduce my story, I need to introduce, have some aspect of connecting like it's my first video, I think it changes your content and also helps new people understand who you are so you can start building. I think that's very. You know, if you think about like the creator personas on a platform like TikTok, for example, you've got your established personal brands, right? You've got like the big names that are content creators. You've got the comedians that everyone knows and watches their content. But What's also really interesting is the brands that position themselves as creators are the ones that are the most successful on the platform. And that's not like in a forceful way that people are being like, hey, this is my brand, you should buy my product. When in reality, it's just like, it's a very strategic product placement or service placement. One of my favorite creators uh, is a creator by the name of Schwinnebago. And he talks about branding and talks about the value and the different strategies that go into really solid branding. And then like 20 seconds into the video, he goes, oh yeah, and this is one of the things that I'll talk about with my clients. And it's just like a subtle plug where it's like, oh my goodness, like he's a genius talking about this topic. I didn't even think about getting the opportunity to work with him. Then I'm going to go into the link in his bio. I'm going to go, he's his beacons.ai, right? And so he's got his beacons and you can book a consulting call with him right there. So establishing that value and that trust right off the bat with the content creator or the brands that treat themselves as creators 
really helps establish that connection while providing free value off the bat. And then even better value by making a personal connection, getting on a call, creating some sort of upsell or relationship. I try not to monetize my TikTok myself too much because it's a platform about mental health and conversation, right? And so where I actually monetize my TikTok is I've got my email in my bio and I get probably, you know, five to seven emails a day from companies that are like, hey, let's do a TikTok collaboration. And what I'll usually do is I'll actually say, let's get on a call and chat. And then I'll actually upsell them into a, a consulting retainer. And we'll talk about TikTok strategy for SaaS or for business startups and talk about how to position themselves as a creator and then how to also improve their influencer side to be able to strategize on how to create better content. So that's actually my upsell is I'll get companies that want to collab. We'll talk about how they could improve strategy, get onto a consulting retainer. And then I'm still able to do and create the content that I create without having to without having to saturate the audience that I've created on a certain topic because they're used to consuming the type of content that they like. But the brands that really win are the ones that position themselves as creators on the platform. My theory, and this is different from like TikTok, but on LinkedIn, I always have said that like a lot of people do company pages wrong and what they need to do is like think of the company page as a personal brand and like what would a personal brand put out? And it doesn't have to be you as a personal brand, but if I was a personal brand, I want to be the best resource for X topic. And if I'm the best resource for X topic, I put out content that's the best resource and not think about my company. I'm just thinking about how to make the audience even better. So the same thing in TikTok is if you think of yourself as like human-led, creator-led, person-led, you can start creating content that just plugs in. And I love the example because like, for example, I just got into like tennis um, and I've been playing tennis a lot and I've been watching a bunch of, I see, I get feed tennis videos all the time, but I see a lot of coaches and I was like thinking to myself, okay, I want to start getting a better tennis plan or workout plan. So one of the TikTok people that I follow, I just DM'd to be like, hey, would you write me up a, a plan to get better at tennis? And they were down, but that's because they built a connection with me for a lot of time, giving me value. And they didn't really ask for it ever, but I knew they were a coach because I saw them training people. I knew that they, they're teaching. So I just reached out. Well, and, and you also, you knew that what they were, the content that they were creating, one, it felt authentic. They made it in a way where like you felt like you could trust them in real life, which prompted you to have that conversation. Then you took that relationship from online to offline. And, you know, the best example, my two favorite social media platforms are TikTok and LinkedIn. And here's why. LinkedIn specifically, you're able to get a really unique reach. And especially if you're in the B2B space, like your core audience and your target is there. Now, it's so easy to stand out from the content that is like the gurus and the experts because they all write the exact same way. They've all got the same formats. They all consume the same courses. Right. And so if you just like write as an authentic individual, you'd be surprised at the results that you actually get from that. So LinkedIn's really powerful. And I'll, I'll use an example. The, the last organization that I just left to, before I joined Cold Plunge was a group here in Utah called Silicon Slopes. Silicon Slopes is a 501c3 nonprofit that runs the business and tech ecosystem for the state of Utah. Um, put a really big event on that pulls about 15,000 attendees to it called the Silicon Slopes Summit. And it's phenomenal. One of the things that I noticed when I joined the team last fall was that our engagement was really poor on the brand pages, even though we had 
27,000 followers on LinkedIn, 7,000 followers on Instagram. Our engagement was really poor. And so I had this, this idea, like, what if we implemented a personal brand strategy from our executive team and started posting from their pages rather than posting from the Silicon Slopes brand page? And just by shifting that, the pages that we posted that content from, a lot of it was very similar. It was the same types of content we were creating, same things we were talking about. We went from a 90-day period on LinkedIn. We went from 200,000 impressions. And then the next 90 days, when we implemented that personal brand strategy and, and introduced three new personal brands, we went from 200,000 impressions to 1.2 million impressions. And we saw our attendance for live events increase dramatically. And so the value in being able to like create as an individual that enhances the brand message, the company profile or brand message, whether that be written or video content, it's incredible. And the, uh, the amount of people that you're able to reach that really resonate with and identify with the content that you're creating, you're just able to have such a larger impact when you're creating as a creator and visualizing yourself as the consumer that's receiving the content that you're creating. So if you're creating it selfishly and not thinking about like, okay, I just created this video or I just created this post on LinkedIn, what is the end user going to think? What is like the actual emotional response that I'm hoping that they'll have? Are they going to feel inspired? Are they going to feel energized? Are they going to want to come to an event? Are they going to want to purchase this product? There's no specific way that they're going to feel. The, the content isn't going to win because they're not able to identify and you lose them after three seconds and they scroll by. And so being able to identify the types of content that one, resonate with your core audience and creating content in a way with that map and that formula to elicit a very specific emotional response to, from them allows you to create winning content regardless of the platform that you're on. One thing I want to dive deep in, I know we've talked a little bit about the personal side and touched a little bit about the business side. What should, let's say, B2B companies be thinking about when going on TikTok? Because I think a lot of B2B companies get trapped in the cycle that I have to create product videos and I need to create this video and I need to create that video for the company. What other advice do you advise these SaaS companies or B2B companies when going on TikTok? The best use case that I can give is a TikTok profile that's still up from a former startup that I was at. Uh, the TikTok profile is getjoot at G-E-T-J-O-O-T. This was the first time that I ever like tried and tested TikTok for a SaaS startup. And although the product didn't quite get the traction that we needed and that we were hoping for, I got a really interesting use case out of using TikTok specifically. And what we saw was, so the product, what we had built was a, it was a social media intelligence software. You could take your Instagram and then the Instagram of your five competitors, and then it would cross analyze across all of the posts, the hashtags, things that were inside of the images. And then it would basically tell you what images would perform well on social moving forward. So what we had was a ton of data on trends that was going to work moving forward. So what we did was we took this very specific product feature that we had and turned it into free insights and then created a series out of it. So what we did was we created a, a series on TikTok called Engagement Concepts. So we'd say Engagement Concepts Part 1, Engagement Concepts Part 2, 3, 4, all the way down the list. And what we did is we talked about different ideas of how people could use or implement you know, golden retrievers to increase engagement by 147%. And then talked about the data. And then we'd plug and say, and we got this data and a bunch of other insights from our software Jupe, right? And then, you know, after, I think it took, it was after 41 videos, I think, 
We finally had our first viral video go off. And then after that, we were averaging new users coming onto the platform just from organic TikTok. So the big thing that I would recommend for anyone that's looking to do TikTok or content creation specifically for the B2B or the technology space is have a very specific problem that you're solving or a very specific like IP that you guys can offer and then create content that offers free value and then is enhanced when people convert over either into free or paying customers of the product. And by implementing that strategy, you're then creating a winning formula where people are seeing the benefits of the product without you just clearly stating this is the feature inside of the product and this is how you use it and why you should use it. That's boring. No one's going to consume it. But rather say, if you want to increase engagement by 130%, you need to add this XYZ into your images. Or you have this product that you need to implement. This is how our product solves this certain problem. And then make the plug down the line that your product is actually the one that they're looking for. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's exactly the way you talked about that one guy who as a marketing agency, plugs it, tells advice and says, hey, and he doesn't even say like, he says, with my clients, I usually do X, Y, and Z. I think it's the same thing you could do with product is, hey, state some cool thing or piece of advice that you've seen with customers or whatever that is really cool. Like, and then say, oh yeah, like, when they use whatever product they using, like you could do X, Y, and Z even better. So absolutely. And then it's not like you're pitching. It's just saying, okay, well, here's something that value. Then you kind of give them reciprocity. You give them something to chew on. And then they, they kind of feel obligated to at least like look at what you're, what you're doing. One of my favorite industries to follow on TikTok, as funny as this is, is lawyers. I love following like the law industry. And this is a really, if you dive in and study this, it's a really interesting use case. There's two main accounts that I follow. I honestly can't remember the names, but I remember their content and resonates with me. There's one that's a couple. It's a really tall guy and a shorter and, a, and then there's like an individual creator. And the really interesting thing is if I needed a lawyer, I would call them just based on the fact that like I've consumed so much of their content and they talk about how they think about different cases or how things break down and you know different legal structures like if I were ever in a situation where I needed a lawyer I would go to TikTok and I'd search up either one of those accounts because I've consumed enough and I've basically been able to see like a trial of their work that when it's time for me to convert now I have someone that I can go to and become a customer of theirs because I know how they work and they operate so that's just like the value of like being able to create content like that on TikTok. You're able to see so much. One, it's a value exchange, but then it's also a trust builder for people to actually see how the who, what, when, where, and why of how you operate, either as a creator, a personal brand, or as a, a business. Like even if you say your audience is the same marketers, like you're, if you could show expertise that you understand marketing or you understand the topic of your audience, and then kind of have videos that also lace in your product, amazing stuff. Then it, people will be like, oh, these people understand marketing. I should at least give them a chance because they understand my problem rather than... That's why the value... I mean, it started on LinkedIn three years, four years ago before TikTok with this where people just had personal brands... And the personal brands showed that these people got 
the topic that you the ideal audience is say gong for example there was a bunch of salespeople posting a gong gong showed that they understand sales and they have a sales product so inherently you trusting them because there's a bunch of experts at the company who understand your problem who understand what you're doing instead of go to a pro and not a company you don't know the founder you don't know the who what their background, you don't know if they actually care about your pain point or not and trying to get value from just a salesperson. It's kind of a, a harder pull than already engaging in content before on top of fun. You don't even have to elicit the like, this is the problem that we solve. Like a lot of that can just be solved through storytelling. And my two favorite examples of this, one is a client, one is a friend. So one of my friends owns a, a drink supplement company called Vitalize. It's a it's got ashwagandha. It's really good for like calming anxiety, um, helps with sleep, and a variety of different things. And one of his top performing videos was a video talking about how they lost twenty five thousand dollars in product because the product wasn't made correctly. So what he did is he literally just made a video, showed it inside of their warehouse, showed the different product, and showed them dumping it into the garbage. And then told the story about how it wasn't up to his standard as the business owner. And so they decided to avoid all the product and get rid of it. The video did millions of views and it was, I believe to the day, it's their top performing video. But think about the trust that was created through that video. It was someone's first interaction with the brand. They're learning the authenticity of the creator who is creating as the brand and the brand is creating as a creator. They're able to learn about what the benefits of the product are, you know, if the business owner is willing to throw away 25K worth of product, it's got to be something that's really valuable if they're willing to do that for their target audience, right? And so in nowhere in there did he try to sell a product. But what he did was he told the story and he converted people to the experience of what Vitalize was accomplishing and then converted them over to being users and consumers of the content and then eventually brand ambassadors for the people that love the brand. So that's my favorite story. The other one is I've got a client. I gave a presentation at college uh, about six months ago on social media for SaaS startups. One of the students in the class came up to me and said, hey, I know this isn't SaaS, but I've got an uncle that owns an e-commerce store and he's looking for some help with TikTok. So I got on a call with him. Uh, his name was Steve and he owns a lava sand heating bag. Um, so it's like a rice bag, but he's got a lava sand rock mixture that doesn't smell. It's, you know, it's odorless. The bag doesn't burn. And it's, you know, it's just a small family run business out of their house, uh, kind of in central Utah area. So the first video that we created, he had done a few different videos, some trends here and there, but we didn't really have like a coherent strategy. Videos were averaging probably 200 to 300 views. He had 20 followers on TikTok when we started. I told him that the first video that we should create is just an evergreen video talking about why they started the business. So in this minute long video, they introduced the brand, introduced his kids, talked about how they were going to use the business as a way to fund a family trip to Disneyland. It was an opportunity to teach their kids how to work and build a business. And that video right off the bat did, you know, 4,000 views, which may not seem like a lot, but it was a lot compared to what had been done previously. And after that first video, he got an email from someone that said, Hey, I'd like to purchase 40,000 pounds of your lava sink. Right? So like, just the concept of like creating and, and connecting people to the story. And then down the line, seven videos later, we had the first like mega viral video that did a hundred thousand views. And overnight you go from 50 to 650 followers. And so it's just a constant inflow of these videos that accumulate and build into this bigger brand vision and approach of connecting people 
to the mission, even though you're not specifically talking about maybe a solution that is brought to fruition because of your product, but it's just connecting people to the brand story and allowing people to identify with that because 90% of the people on the platform are consumers and the other 10% of the people on the platform are creators. So it's it's a really interesting mix, allowing people to connect with the, the different visions and the experiences and journeys that you tell as a brand. And So many people get caught up that a video needs to be 100,000 views, 200,000 views. But if you have 10 followers or 100 followers and you're getting 5,000, 6,000 views, you're reaching way more people than you, you're doing. Most platforms can't do that besides maybe LinkedIn. So you're getting fed to people that don't know who the heck you are and also Another point I want to make is that sometimes it's quality of view versus over quantity of view. So sometimes that 4,000 could be 4,000 people who really care about your story, your what you're trying to sell. So I think when you're starting, don't try to aim, like aim for a A plus video. I mean, an A video, but don't get bugged down by, okay, I have only 400 views or 5,000 views, because I think if you have a hundred followers and you're getting 400 views, just look at that ratio there. It's, it's, it's a, a good ratio for someone who has a count that is just starting to grow. And the reality of it is, is like, as you mentioned, quality versus quantity. One of my favorite brands uh, is here local to Utah. It's a supplement company called Bucked Up. Bucked Up is the perfect, like they've been running for multiple years. I want to say like seven, eight years they just started paying influencers like as a supplement brand. And what they did before they started paying influencers or content creators, they built an affiliate slash ambassador network of 60,000 ambassadors. So yeah, it may not be a million ambassadors, but what it is is it's 60,000 people that love their brand and that love the mission of what they're doing. They believe in the products, they believe in the mission, they believe in how it can benefit other people. And so they want to share it with people. And so I think a lot of times people discredit, there's so much talk about like, oh, you can go viral on TikTok. TikTok is the best platform to go viral on. Like the reality of it is, is like, I'd rather have 100 very qual high quality views over a thousand mediocre views that are never going to take action. And so if you can create that connection with the people that are viewing the content and that are watching your videos and have conversations with them in the comment sections, if you can get to those thousand true fans that believe in everything that you do as a brand, as a mission, your quality will be so much better over the long term because they're the people that actually believe in what you're doing rather than just the virality that comes from a one-off video. Yeah. And I also think people get caught up what the goal is. I think if your goal is to connect with an audience and get more sales or something, you might be better off being more niche, getting those last views. If your goal is to get more attention, getting the most amount of eyes on your product, the strategy is different. So I think you need to figure out first, hey, hey, my goal is I'm creating a TikTok for X reason. And a lot of people don't think about that. They say either I just need a TikTok. It's like I'm creating it to either get people more and relate to my story, get more brand awareness, whatever the goal is. And then you can start creating a strategy around, hey, if I'm trying to get more authentic customers who care about my brand, maybe it's a storytelling effort. If I'm trying to get 
more eyeballs on my branding, more attention. Maybe I have to do the bigger production or not bigger production, but bigger elements to a virality to try to get more attention. A lot of people are in the first bucket, but they try to do the second bucket. And that's the, the big issue. Where a lot of people go wrong is they create a social media strategy thinking about what is social media going to do for me and my business. The most valuable creators on social media platforms are the ones that lead. Their very first question is, I'm going to create content. What is it going to do for the viewers? Or what is it going to do for the consumers? And as soon as you think selfishly, like how many sales am I going to get from this video? You've completely lost the value of what social media is. At that point, it's just a transaction. Like if you just want to get sales, run some TikTok ads, get a good row ads, like run ads, like if that's all you want to do. But if you want like an actual value exchange, the universal law of equivalent exchange states that for everything that you put out into the world or exchange, you'll receive something of equal or greater to value in return. And so when creating a social strategy, the first thing that I always lead with is one, what is our goal and like, what are we trying to accomplish on social media? But also what are we trying to do for the consumers of this content? What are we actually offering to them? Why would they watch our video? If you can't have an actual answer of like, why would someone watch this video? Why are you creating the video? Because at that point, it's just noise and it's just, you know, it's just quantity that people are going to scroll past. And so if you think about the content that you're creating on social media as a value exchange, you ingrain a deeper connection into your brand purpose and vision for the consumers where they identify and want to follow along and be part of the journey rather than just saying, hey, that's cool. I'm going to bookmark that and go back and I'm, you know, I'm never going to watch that video again. And I'm just going to keep scrolling. So creating those, you just have to think about it as a value exchange. I think the two things I always tell people is one, think of content as a product. If you do a product, you your content is a product, you're making it for the audience, you're innovating on it, you're investing in it, you're iterating on it. That's one thing I always tell people. And the other thing I always say is like, if I was in a group, I create for marketers, but if I was creating content, I'm thinking about what is the best content that I would share in a group chat of my marketing friends. And if I wouldn't share it in a group chat with my marketing friends, I don't want to put it out there. So I always think in the basis of like, hey, would I share this in a group chat? Would my marketing friends think this is funny or not? If not, then it's not the best piece of content. So I just always think of the framing of like, would I share this in a group chat or would I share this in a DM to one of my friends? Um, Yep, absolutely. I love that. Last question I have for you is, what is a marketing hill you would die on? The hill that I would die on is that before you ever get anything from a consumer, you have to offer some sort of value. They have to take something away from you before they'll ever give you something of theirs. And there's always like the talks about like lead magnets and let's, you know, we'll give them this free downloadable PDF, but it's like, is that really valuable? Like, what are they actually going to get out of this? And so... I think the brands that will continue to stand out and that will continue to thrive are the ones that actually understand how to offer inherent value to their consumers and not gimmicky value. And if people understand how to offer value to people, I everyone like I that's kind of like a very basic way to say it. Everyone's like, you need to offer value and you need to be insightful and you need to help people. It's like you actually have to have something that's tangible, that's relatable, and that's implementable. Is that a word? I'm not sure if it is, but have to be able to implement whatever you're offering as value. And then they'll be willing to give you their email, purchase something, be a part of your community, go to an event offline. There has to be that value exchange. And if it's not there from you as the one that's offering the exchange, 
there's never going to be anything in return. I love that statement. The CEO of Workweek, Adam, always says, like, you first create attention and then attention turns into intention once you've given enough value. So in, if, once you show them that they can trust you, then they'll start doing intentional things where they'll show up to your events, which is, shows intention. Um, buy a product, attend something of yours, anything along the, join your community. There's like, first you have to figure out the first part is like how to hook someone to get their attention at first. And once you get their attention and kept their attention, it becomes intentional. And those are the people who become those uh, thousand raving fans that you talked about earlier. Yeah, I love that. And I think the other thing just kind of as like a last note to add is you have to be intentional about the, again, the who, what, when, where, why of the audience that you're building. One of my favorite examples, I, I had a thought last summer. I was like, I wonder if I could build just organically a geographical based audience. And so I had the thought to combine two different markets. And what I did was I combined golfing, which was an activity that I loved. And then the state of Utah and created a TikTok called the Utah Golf Club. So I really, I just did it as a test. I was curious. I was like, I wonder if I can spend $0 on this and build an audience just inside the state of Utah around golfing. So it, I went from zero to 1500 followers in three weeks. Again, I wasn't focused on hundreds of thousands of followers, but I had 1500 people and a 99.3% following rate inside the state of Utah. So I hit my target market just using, you know, the captions that were on the videos. I was using the location that I was adding in the video and using different signals and indicators to indicate to the algorithm who I wanted to serve it to. And, you know, my videos on there now will do an average of, if I were to average it out, it's probably 25 to 30,000 views per video with all the different videos that I've done and a few different outliers. But like, you have to be very intentional. Am I building a local audience? Is this a product that anyone can adopt anywhere? And what's the actual end goal that I have for these people? And how can I get them there by offering them something first and allowing them to connect to a mission and a brand? Also, that tip about location-based thing is underrated as well. So I want to go give you the last minute to chat about where people could find you and your journey and what you're doing. <laughs> You can connect with me on social media at It's Ryan Boswell, I-T-S-R-Y-A-N-B-O-S-W-E-L-L, Ryan Boswell on LinkedIn, on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn are my primary channels. And then you can also get in touch with me via email, ryan at bozxdigital.com, B-O-Z-X digital.com. And then also follow along. I'm just joining the team over at Cold Plunge Studios, and that's coldplungestudios.com. Some really exciting things happening over there. And I'm sure we'll be able to revisit this and have a talk about what we do on TikTok there in about a year and see where we get. But yeah, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate having me on and uh, any way I can connect and help people out, always happy to chat. Thank you so much for joining. And this has been extremely helpful. I think anybody who wants to create any video content, I mean, there's a bunch of platforms now that you can do it. TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, all these apply for all those channels. So thank you for joining. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.